So hey there, friends. It's episode 226 of Self Kind with me, Erica Webb. I am so happy that you're joining me today. And what I want to dive into today is really a continuation of the topic that we were on last week, which was talking about um, the ways that social conditioning kind of gets in the way of our ability to care for ourselves and some of the things that we can do about that. And I had a couple of interesting conversations with both myself and with um, friends over the weekend. And I want to sort of share some more ideas around this, some more ways that it can show up, because I think that the more aware we are of these things, the more equipped we are to then be like, hmm, what do I want to choose? So that is what we're going to dive into today. Hi, and welcome to Self Kind with me, Erica Webb. This is a podcast about what it means to be, live, and move through a lens of self-kindness. We'll look at the ways self-kindness can underpin our practices in movement, mindfulness, and mindset to support us to be and do the things we so desire in the world. I'm thrilled you're here. Let's get into the show. So as I said, last week we really talked about the way that like social conditioning really can get in the way of our relationship with ourselves, of wanting to love ourselves more, care for ourselves, and prioritize our needs. And one of the things that's really interesting is that even when we kind of like, like unsubscribe to that narrative, I don't want to be, you know, believing that I don't want to subscribe to that. I don't want to align with that. We'll find that our behavior still sometimes does. And it can be very interesting and very like curiosity filled to be like, huh, isn't that interesting? I wonder why I'm choosing to behave in this way at the moment and being able to do that from a place of curiosity rather than judgment. So I was having a conversation with a, um, a friend over the weekend and we were talking about, you know, when you are out at a function and often you know, the, the, the wait staff will fill your glass before you're finished. And so it's very hard to kind of like keep track of how much you've had to drink. Um, and sometimes you'll go away with an empty glass and come back to a full one and whatever. Anyway, we had this conversation about like saying no to, to that being refilled and how so often women feel like they can't say no. And so they are like, well, I don't really want to, you know, um, have that refilled, but saying no somehow feels really uncomfortable. And it occurred to me that this is one small, but I think really significant example of the ways that we say, Hey, I don't matter as much as your comfort, right? To a, to a different, like someone outside of us, my needs right now to not have my drink refilled are not equal to your desire as a, you know, wait staff to refill my cup. Now, when you say it like that, it's like, huh, that really, do we do that? But we do. And, and this came from, you know, personal experience of being like, yeah, I've, I've learned to say no and how that has been potentially a little bit uncomfortable, but really, you know, kind of worth the effort. Um, and the person that I was having this conversation with had been in a recent situation where other women were like, I can't say no, I feel too bad. And, isn't it interesting that probably the person pouring the wine doesn't give two hoots whether you have another glass or not, but we still can feel this sense of obligation to say yes to things that we want to say no to. And this is one of the ways that we tend to like give fuel to that narrative of like, there is a certain way to 
to be, to be okay, to be accepted, to be um, liked in the world, right? And when we kind of give fuel to that, we take power away from ourselves. We take that kind of like autonomy, that self-trust, that um, messaging that like, hey, I, I matter and my needs actually matter. And it kind of like takes power and emphasis away from that. Now, the thing that we, that, that I guess underpins this is the idea that at the heart of it, being able to care for yourself, right? To be able to tend to your needs beyond, I need to be able to like be fed, sheltered, et cetera, right? Like once we've kind of got those basic needs met, our ability to care for our needs is 100% tied to our willingness to say, I matter. My needs matter. And they are not subservient to yours. But we are not trained to do that. We are not told that it is okay. And this can show up in lots of ways. And we talked about this last week, so I don't want to kind of like harp on the same message, but I think it can show up in really interesting ways. And I want to share another story with you. So as I'm recording this, it's Monday. So I'm actually on schedule this week, unlike last week, which is nice. And I went out last night to a jazz club, which is not something that I often do, but one of the women that I roller skate with, she sings in a big band. And so a few of us went along to support her and watch her. And it was amazing. It was so good. She's an incredible singer. The band was amazing. I didn't count, but I think there were like maybe like 15 people in this band. There was someone on a guitar, somebody on the piano. There were like five or six saxophones, trumpets, other instruments that I actually don't know what they're called, Um, but it was incredible. And anyway, as I was getting ready for that activity, I noticed that I was quite worried about making sure that I wore the right thing because (laughs) – Wardrobe choice is always something that will send me in a little bit of a, like, oh, I want to fit in. I want to feel comfortable. I don't want to be overdressed. I don't want to be underdressed. And sometimes it can be a cause of maybe a little tiny bit of overthinking. And so yesterday I got dressed. I actually felt really good. I felt really comfortable in what I'd chosen. I felt like that lovely kind of sweet spot where I didn't feel super overdressed, but I also knew that if people were dressed up, I'd fit in because I wasn't underdressed. And It occurred to me, and I don't even know what it was that prompted this kind of realization, but I had this moment of realizing that I spend a lot of time or I've spent a lot of time. I won't, I don't know that I do it as much now, but this, you know, getting ready to go out to an event kind of brought it up. A lot of energy has been spent in making sure that I have kind of towed the line between looking like I'm trying hard and looking like I'm trying just hard enough, right? To like, look okay. And I had this moment of like, oh, isn't that interesting? I don't want people to think that I'm trying too hard, right? I don't want people to look at me and be like, well, she's really trying hard, right? To look good. Um, And at the same time, I don't want to be not trying hard enough because I don't want people to judge me for my lack of effort. But like, what a fine little corridor to give myself, right? To be like, huh, I can't, you know, I've almost decided how much pride I can take in my clothing, in my appearance, in my, um, you know, readiness for for going out to make sure that it just kind of fits this in-between point where it's like, I'm not trying too hard, but I've definitely given some effort. 
And I think this is another example of the ways that we say, hey, my my delight, right? My delight, my joy, my pleasure in my what I'm wearing, how I'm expressing myself is just a little bit subservient to your comfort. But the thing is, I'm making all of that up because I have no idea what is going to make you comfortable, right? I have no idea whether you're going to judge me for trying too hard, not trying hard enough, choosing the wrong shoes, choosing the wrong way to do my hair. And the thing is, other people will judge, right? Other people will look at me and you and everyone in the world and make decisions and opinions, have opinions about what that means about that person. But we have zero control over it. And yet here we are, and I'm using myself in this example, here I am trying to like be the puppet master and be like, I hope you're happy because I've just put in just the right amount of effort to make you satisfied. Who the magic you is, I don't even know, right? (laughs) It's just, but this is just an example of the ways that we kind of like manage our own selves in this quest to make sure that the people around us are comfortable. And there is a level of like, well, of course we want to, you know, make people comfortable to an extent. Like we don't want to be, you know, being that person in the room who's completely unable to like read the room and read the situation and like making inappropriate comments and, you know, all of that. Of course not. This is different to being like attentive or, um, yeah, like tuned right to the, to the needs of the people around you. There's this sense that it's like a small part of you has to be hidden away or contained or managed in order to allow somebody else's comfort. So like with the wine example, I don't want to make that, that person uncomfortable by telling them no. And so I'm willing to give away my own desires in order to kind of have some pseudo uh, pseudo sense of control over that other person's opinions, right, or experience of the world. Isn't it interesting the way that we do this? And one of the things that I'm finding deeply fascinating about getting older is how much I still have to learn about myself and the people around me in the world. And so when I kind of share these stories and as I was sitting down to record this, I thought, you know, is, does this add extra value to last week? And I hope it does. I hope the the different examples and, and um, ideas kind of help you go, oh yeah, I can see how perhaps this is a big deal. Um, what was I going to say? Lost my train of thought. Lost my train of thought last week too. Um, but yeah, no, completely gone. What I think I want to move to next since I've lost my train of thought is to to kind of come to this idea of like, okay, oh, yeah, that's right. I was talking about getting to know oneself. So this is where self-judgment can come in, right? Because as we like get to know who we are, as we get to explore like, oh, isn't that interesting? It turns out that I really like to dress up or I really like to do this thing or I really don't like this thing that people have assumed about me. There was a story once and I don't remember who it was, but like, um, I, oh, I wish I could remember who, who this is, but anyway, I can't, um, who had sort of like grown up with a love of a particular animal and 
no, I don't even think they'd grown up with a love of a particular animal, but somebody had just like given them something once, like a, like a, um, like a ceramic frog or something. And they had been so like demonstrative in their gratitude around that thing that then every time that person got a gift, it was like frog themed. And they were like, I don't even like frogs. That might've been, maybe this is from Glennon Doyle's book. I don't know. Anyway, um, not my story, but they got to this point where they were like, I don't even like frogs. And this person keeps giving me frogs. And now I have this huge, you know, display of frog paraphernalia that I never wanted that all came about because I tried to essentially manage this person's, you know, um, perception of me by making sure that they understood that I was really happy with them and so that then they would like me, right? Um, and so this person ended up with like a house full of frog stuff that they never even wanted in the first place and didn't even really like. And <laughs> again, what? where was I going with this? We, <laughs> As we get to know ourselves though, right, and we get to be like, oh, that's interesting, okay, I don't really like frogs, we can start to look with curiosity at the ways that we have perhaps like siloed parts of ourselves or hidden parts of ourselves or misrepresented parts of ourselves that are not to our own benefit, right? And I think that this is the key, is that sense of curiosity, because it's going to be really easy to judge yourself for being like either way, right? Like we can judge ourselves in either direction on this one. Oh, I'm the worst for not being able to stand up for myself, right? Not being able to say no to that refill when that's what I really want. And we could also judge ourselves in the reverse when we say no and we're like, I'm the worst because I just said no and I feel really uncomfortable exerting that you know, or sort of asserting that boundary. So either way, we set ourselves up for judgment. And what I really want us to understand is that judgment is automatic. Judgment is automatic in the sense that your brain needs to have efficient ways to make decisions about like what to do, right? And so judgment is a way of being like, no, not that way, this way, right? It makes action a little bit more, um, easy to come by because we can say, well, you know, I don't really like what I can see at the fork going left. I'd much prefer what I can see in the fork going right. So I'm going to head towards those, you know, that lush forest rather than the barren desert or whatever it might be. So judgment is both necessary and often very automatic. And so what we can do is we can then choose to meet the judgment with curiosity, right? So in that example, again, of like the wine glass, huh, isn't that interesting? I just said yes to a refill when I really meant no. And I feel disappointed that I was willing to prioritize perhaps their comfort over my needs. But I'm going to just choose to get curious about that and not judgmental. Like I see the judgment. I see that I'm like annoyed at myself. That's fine. But also, how can I just be curious? Like, what did I sense in my body when I felt compelled to say yes, when I really meant no? What did I sense in my body that gave me a clue that perhaps I was moving in a direction that didn't honor me and my needs? And this is where the brain and the body can, you know, sometimes our brain will lead us to believe that the only way to get like escape the discomfort of like, they're asking me a question and I have to say yes or no. Sometimes it can feel like our only option is to think through that. 
And I think that when we start to recognize that, hey, your body gives you clues all the time, your body, like that tightness in your chest, that tightness in your tummy might be an indication of like, I'm about to say yes when I mean no, (laughs) right? Um, And so if we can get curious about that, then instead of having to just like change our behavior straight away, we can just be like, okay, I'm going to give myself space and permission to just be curious about this. I'm going to give myself space and permission to be curious about the fact that I am saying yes to things that I don't actually want. What clues can I look for in my body? And then how can I practice saying no when I mean no? How can I practice being okay with the discomfort that follows that, right? Because there will be discomfort that follows that. But when when we're curious over judgmental or curious in the face of judgment is probably more accurate, then it gives us space to go, you know what? It doesn't even, it doesn't even almost matter if in the next 20 minutes I do the same thing again, but at least I'm aware of it. At least I can start to be curious. At least I can start to look and say, how might this be perpetuated by, you know, those sort of cultural messages that say I should just be a good girl and say yes. And like, what is it that I actually want for me? What do I want for my relationship with myself and my relationship with the world? And is this it, right? And there's no wrong answer. It's just what is right for you at the time. But being able to get in touch with like, what am I sensing and feeling? How do I use that kind of um, relationship between my brain and my body, my, my mind and my body to then make decisions that feel more aligned with the relationship that I want with with myself. Because at the end of the day, self-care depends less on your access to, you know, have a massage, run a bath, um, do all of those kind of externally self-care-y kind of things. True self-care relies less on that and far, far more on the relationship that you have with yourself that says, "Mm, I matter and my needs matter and I matter to me and I am worthy of having my needs met, asking to have my needs met, you know, intentionally seeking out opportunities to have my needs met, saying no when I mean no, saying yes when I mean yes, asking for clarification without apology, all of these things, right? And so that that self-care stuff really falls out of having a relationship with yourself where you are your own soft place, right? You are your own home base. You are the safest relationship that you have. That's what fuels then, huh, what is it that I maybe need right now? Might not even be a bath, but if it is, fabulous. You can, you know, be honest about that. But it might be like, I need some soothing words. I need to remind myself that I'm loved. I need to remind myself that I have love for me. It might be that, oh, I need to actually go and and, and exert that boundary. Might be that, oh, like I feel so stiff around my shoulders. What I need right now is some movement. So you can kind of see how the self-care then stems from this relationship, like the actions of self-care stem from the relationship of self-respect, self-love, self-compassion, all of those words. (laughs) I'm just going to look down at my notes briefly here. Um, 
So, yeah, I think that I I actually think that covers off everything that I had kind of noted down for myself. But as I said, a continuation, a little bit of last week's topic. But if there's one message that I want to drive home, it really is this idea of like self-care. It's less about the actions. It's more about the relationship. The actions will follow the relationship. Now, that's not to say that sometimes the actions have to precede having the kind of relationship that you want, but they go together. So we can't prove our way into loving ourselves. Like we can't wait for ourselves to be good enough to be like worthy of that, right? So often that's the way we try to do it. I'll love myself when I've proven to myself that I'm lovable. Hmm. If your version of proving to yourself that you're lovable requires you to be a perfect version of human, you're going to be sorely disappointed every step of the way. We have to be seeing ourselves from this lens of, I am an imperfect human. I will make mistakes. I will do things that harm other people. I will do things that harm myself sometimes. I will do things that I regret. I will do things that make me feel kind of dumb. And regardless I am worthy of my own love, my own care, my own attention, my own kindness, my own compassion. It is not the absence of those things that allows me to love myself. I love myself and that makes those things far easier to navigate. And so, yes, there might be a period where you're like, but I really don't love myself. And I was in that space for a very long time. So I, I, I empathize with it deeply. And the decision had to be, I want a loving relationship with myself. And so what would I have to do, right, to prove that that is what this is? And that was, for me, meeting myself with compassion at every opportunity, right, where the judgment popped up. It was doing things that I was like, I think this is what I need. I think this is going to support me. And sometimes being bang on and being like, yes, <laughs> nailed it. And other times being like, hmm, that does, uh, maybe that wasn't what I needed at all, right? But this is how we learn. And that's that will be the truth forever, right? Because sometimes we will misread ourselves and be like, I think I just need to, to really push things and go for a, a hard walk or a, a run or do that thing. And we'll turn around later and we'll be like, hmm, I think I misread that that situation. Um, and that's okay. But if we've got this foundation of like the loving relationship with ourselves, knowing that we find safety, home, centeredness, connection internally, then we can navigate that stuff. And so, yes, there's an element of, of the actions going together with the more internal work stuff. Um, but the foundation I think has to be there of like, this is a relationship that I want. And here's the thing. If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably already made that decision because you're listening to this podcast and it's called self-kind. And so, you know, you want that, right? Or on some level, you're like, hmm, that that could be interesting. What is that? Um, So you might already be in that kind of relationship with yourself. You might just be like, that's, I know what, that's what I, that's what I want. And honestly, that's all we need to start is to be like, that's what I want. And so then we get to decide like, what's the loving action, right? What's the action that proves that I'm worthy? because I've made the decision that I am. (laughs) So what do I now do to show myself that? All right. We went on some little windy paths there, but I hope that that 
gives you some more examples of the ways that we kind of tend to, to discard ourselves. So come and find me over on Instagram. I would love to hear what you thought of these examples and if it brought up any of your own as well. If you're like, oh, I had this thing happen the other day and now I'm seeing it in a different light. I would love to hear from you. You'll find me over on Instagram at ericaweb underscore selfkind. You can come find me on my website as well, ericaweb.com.au. All right. Until next week, friends, keep being kind to yourself. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Self Kind. If you loved it, why not share it? And while you're there, take the time to subscribe, rate, and review the show. I'd love you to come hang out with me more too. You'll find me over on Instagram at ericaweb underscore selfkind. And you can sign up for my e-newsletter by heading to my website, ericaweb.com.au. While you're there, you can also read up more about the Self Kind Hub and other ways of working with me. Until next time, keep being kind to yourself. Bye. Bye.